Good morning, church. Happy resurrection. He is risen. I said he is risen. And as the old song goes, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Come on, who's with me? Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. Come on, saints of God, can we say amen to that this morning? Well, hey, I want to welcome everyone to our Easter celebration service this morning. And if you are here and you are our guest, let me just join in with what Pastor Daniel said and say we are so grateful and honored to have you here with us this morning. Church, can we welcome our guests, both those that are here in person and those that are online? We always count it an honor to have you here, and we would love for Destiny to become the place that you call your home church. Well, this morning, I want to share with you a message that is meant both for the Christian and for the non-Christian. And so if your grandma drug you to church today, there's something in today's message for you, okay? Today's message is found in the book of Luke, chapter 24. But before we get into the main part, of the message, I want to first just read the first 12 verses that leads us up to today's main text. And so if you have your Bible, um, you can turn there with me. It'll come up on the screen. But Luke chapter 24, first 12 verses says, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Hallelujah. Remember how he told you while he was still at Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And that was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now, try to picture this if you could. It's Sunday morning, day three of Jesus' death. And a group of ladies, they go to the tomb where they had laid Jesus' body, and they didn't go to see, the, I mean, they went to see the body, the scripture says that they brought spices with them to anoint them because that was the Jewish custom. But when they arrived, the large stone that had closed the tomb had been rolled away. Now, if you don't know the story, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had a large stone placed over the entrance of the tomb in order to secure and protect the body. 
But whenever the women arrived at the tomb, the stone was rolled away and Jesus wasn't there. And as they were standing there wondering what to do next, two men stood there by them wearing clothes that the Bible says was dazzling. But I looked it up and it literally means that it was as bright as lightning. And they said to the women, if you're looking for Jesus, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And then the two men reminded them of the words that Jesus told them, that he would be crucified, but on the third day that he would rise. Then the women went back and told the others about what they had saw, but the others didn't believe them. And so then Peter ran to the tomb, looked inside, saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he ran back to tell the others what he saw. Now, can you imagine what must have been going through the disciples' minds. I mean, you know that they were filled with amazement, but also confusion. I mean, the anticipation it had to have been so thick that you could cut it with a knife. And you know that they had one big resounding question. Where is Jesus? Now we turn to the very... Next verse in Luke 24 and verse 13. And it says, that very day, two of them, two of them talking about two of the disciples, two of them, they were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. The Bible says that one of the two was a man named Cleopas. And there's a good chance that it was Cleopas's wife, uh, although it could have just been his companion. And they were having a conversation about what they had just witnessed. I mean, try, if you could, and put yourself in their shoes. And pretend that you are one of the two people in this story. You're heading back to your hometown you're talking to your friend or, or to your spouse about what you both just saw. You saw them whip Jesus with 39 lashes of the cat and nine tails, which is a cord, that uh, uh, nine-fold cord of braided leather, which would have included things like small bone, glass metal that was tied to the each of those cords, and each lash would have lacerated the skin, causing deep cuts. The cuts would have torn the flesh and the muscles, and in some cases would have even exposed bone and internal organs. It was a brutal and an inhumane weapon intended for punishment and torture. Imagine being there, watching Jesus being whipped, and not just a few times, but 39 times times. You saw all this take place. You saw them rip the beard from his face. You saw them take a crown of thorns and press it firmly down upon his head. Then you watched them make Jesus carry his own cross to the place of his execution, a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, or Calvary. There you watched him stripped of his clothing. And nailed to the cross with spikes, driven through the most sensitive nerves in the human body, the hands and the feet. You watched them crucify Jesus. 
You saw him hanging in painful agony. You heard him cry out, I thirst, as his body was feeling the pains of dehydration. Then you watch the soldiers offer him the, the mix of wine and gall. Gall, by the way, was this bitter, nauseating substance that would have come from the gallbladder of either uh, an ox or a cow. And it was used as further punishment for those who were thirsty. So you watch Jesus hanging there, naked, in pain, in agony for several hours. Then you watched a Roman soldier thrust the spear into his side where both water and blood flowed out. And then you watched as Jesus breathed his last breath. The one that you believed was to be the Savior of Israel. The Messiah was dead. No one could believe what they were witnessing. It was like a bad dream. Now, we don't know a lot about Cleopas or his companion, but there's a great possibility that they were just much like the rest of Jesus' disciples. They believed that Jesus was the one who had come to set them free from the oppression of the Roman government. They believed that Jesus would take care of Caesar and that he would be their military commander. He was so supposed to be greater than King David, even greater than, than Solomon, but now... He's dead. Many of Jesus' followers, they left everything to follow him. But now what? Where do they go? What do they do? This would have been the conversation that was taking place between the two travelers that were on the road to Emmaus. And I bring this particular passage of Scripture to you today because I believe that there are many of you that are also on the road to Emmaus. What I mean is, you feel like something has died in your heart. The dream that was once within you now seems all but dead. See, today's message is for two different audiences. It's meant for the Christian, but it's also meant for the person that has never put their faith in Christ. Let me just first speak to the Christian if I could. I'm talking about the believer who today struggles with believing. Not that you struggle in believing in Jesus, but you believe that nothing good could ever come your way because experience has taught you that it hasn't happened so far. But I'm also talking to the non-Christian as well as the Christian who you faced difficulty after difficulty. You've hoped that some things would go a, a certain way and they never happened. And so you feel discouraged. You feel like you have lost all hope. See, this would have been the case with Cleopas and his companion. And I want us to read what happens next. Because right in the middle of their conversation, Jesus shows up. And in Luke 24, verse 15 and 16, it says, While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You see, the last time that they saw Jesus, they would have saw him beaten, bruised, and battered. 
But now he appears to them, and he appears to them in his glorified body, and so they don't recognize him. And here in verse 17, Jesus comes up to them, and he asks them, what are you discussing together as you are walking? And the Bible says that they stood still looking sad. I think it's important to recognize that this story is directly tied to the resurrection. Because there are some truths that are written in it that are intended to instill hope in our hearts. But also so that we would understand the character of God and and how God often operates. You see, these two people, they had just experienced a horrific event. The crucifixion of Jesus. And everything that they had ever hoped for had just come crashing down. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a similar place? A place where at one point in your life you were filled with excitement. A place where you were filled with ambition and dreams. A place where you just knew that things were going to go just the way that you had anticipated that they would only experience proved to be much different than your expectations. I'm talking about the marriage that hasn't quite went the way that you thought it would go back whenever you said yes to the dress. I'm talking about the child who went a different path than how you raised them. Or a best friend that you used to call your BFF, but now you don't even talk anymore. See, the reality is we've all walked to the road to mess in different ways. What I mean is, we've all faced disappointments. We've experienced hurt. We know what it's like to be frustrated and overwhelmed with life's difficulties. But today's message is a message of hope because I want you to know that right in the middle of what you are facing is the place where God draws near. And it's my prayer and my hope today that you would recognize that right in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, God is there in your midst. The Bible says that Jesus drew near to Cleopas and his companion, and he asked them, what are you guys talking about? And I love this because you know that Jesus knew what they were talking about, right? It was the reason that he showed up. But can I just say that when we refuse to acknowledge that thing which has knocked us down, and we pretend as if it didn't exist, that thing doesn't get better. It only gets worse. And so Jesus asked them a question, which has an underlying question, which is, are you willing to acknowledge that thing which is troubling you? That's a question I present to you this morning. Friends, God wants to get involved in our situation. But we must understand that when we fail to acknowledge our weakness, fail to acknowledge our hurt and our pain, fail to tell God what it is that we are struggling with, we, in essence, close the door to what it is God wants to do in our life. There's a scripture in the book of James. I refer to it often. James 4 and verse 3, and it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. 
I mean, just imagine if you could. The, the two that were on the road to Emmaus. Imagine if they gave a different response to Jesus. Like whenever Jesus asked them, what's going on? And why are you upset? Like, what if they just tried to fake it till they make it? Like a lot of people do today, both Christians and non-Christians alike. And they just pretended like everything was fine. Oh, we're good, brother. All's well. Isn't it a wonderful day today like we do? If they had, I think that we would have seen things go much, much differently, right? But how many times does God come? And he often does so in the form of another brother or sister who asks the same underlying question as Jesus did, how are you doing? And we fail to acknowledge both to God and to our friends what's really going on. See, Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is always there in our midst. And often we miss out on what he has prepared for us simply because we are unwilling to invite him into our situation. Listen to what Jesus had to say in Revelation 3 and verse 20. He says, behold. You know when the Bible says behold, it's like, hey, guys, pay attention to this. Catch this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Friends, the question isn't, will Jesus come my way? He's already there. The question is, can I quiet? my busy mind long enough to hear his voice, and then will I open the door. You see, we allow our minds to get so consumed, don't we? And as a result, it hinders our ability to hear God. For example, we get consumed by our things, our possessions, which distract us from our spiritual growth. We get consumed with our personal goals and our aspirations, which oftentimes makes it difficult to discern God's will. We get consumed with busyness to where we have little to no time to spend in prayer and worship and devotion to God. We get consumed with our, our negative thoughts dwelling on the emotions like fear, worry, and anger, which then cloud our mind and rob us of what it is that God wants to do in our hearts. And one last example, we get consumed by world events like entertainment, social issues, and politics, which again hinder our ability to hear God's voice and can distract us from spiritual growth. The two people on the road to Emmaus were consumed by what they just encountered. And Jesus showed up right in the middle of the situation, and he asked them a question. Verse 18 then says, then one of them named Cleopas answered him. He says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said, 
what things? Now think about that question right there. Of course Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about. But watch this. I think that oftentimes God asks if we know what's happening. Are you with me? See, I found that often I can identify the problem, but I don't always recognize the source. Like, I know what I'm feeling, but I don't always know why I'm feeling it. The two respond to Jesus in verse 19 through 24, and then they say, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a, a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death. And crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since all these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. Now, pause for just a minute. The two travelers' response was 100% correct. Like, they laid out everything just as it had happened, but they lost hope. Friends, if the resurrection of Jesus is anything, it is hope. Hope that what we are currently going through won't last forever. Hope that God has a future for us that consists of good things. Hope that no matter how many times we have failed in life, God's love and forgiveness is available to all who would receive it by faith. Jesus responds to them in verses 25 and 27 and says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow. Wouldn't you have loved to have heard that conversation? Well, friend, can I tell you something? I can assure you that some of the very things that Jesus said to them is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of the very things that he would have said on that road to Emmaus would have been found in the book of Hebrews. See, we think, wow, how awesome would it have been to have been on the road to Emmaus and been able to heard the very words of Jesus, yet we have his words. We have the very words of Jesus. They're just sitting on most people's bookshelf collecting dust. Friend, there is a word from God in your Bible. That is the key to unlocking what's been holding you back. I'm going to say that again in case you weren't paying attention. Make sure you catch this. There is a word from God in your Bible that is the key to unlocking what has been holding you back. There is a truth that is written therein 
that will set you free from your captivity. But you can't experience nor apply what you don't know. Don't know what you don't know, right? And that's why Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the only way that it's going to set you free is if you know it and apply it. Verse 28 and 29 says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. See, these two verses right here, they teach you something about God. Notice that it says that he acted as if he were going to go further, but they strongly urged him to stay with them, and he did. When I read this, it kind of reminded me a little bit of whenever Jacob wrestled with God and says, I won't bless, uh, I won't let go until you bless me. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? I'm talking about the person who longs for nothing more than God. Remember how earlier the, the two uh, travelers, Cleopas and his companion, they were consumed with sadness? Well, now they're consumed with Jesus. Their conversation changed. Their mood changed. They were no longer focused on what had happened in the past, but they were focused on who was in front of them, Jesus. You see, when you get consumed with Jesus, your priorities change. Oh, let me say that again. When you get consumed with Jesus, your priorities change. Your desires change. Begin to align with his. Your heart begins to be filled with compassion for others. You'll find yourself wanting to spend more and more time with him in worship. But understand that being consumed is not just a one-time event like an Easter Sunday service. But it's a daily surrender. It's a process of you continually yielding your life to him and allowing him to work in and through you for his glory. And as you do, you'll find that your life will become a living testimony to his goodness and his grace. And friend, can I tell you, there's no better place to live than putting a Jesus first life. I'm telling you, I've lived it both ways. This old boy lived a long period of, or a decent period of his life when Jesus was not the Lord. And I've lived with him as Lord. And friends, I'll tell you, he's better. For those of you that the jury's out on this Jesus thing, let me tell you something. I've tried the world. I've tried Jesus. The world is a counterfeit for Jesus. That's all it is anyway. See, I don't know what your hang-up was. Mine was drugs and, and self and pride and all of these things. And every one of those things were simply a counterfeit for who God is. God is the only one who can fill this big God-sized cavern on the inside of us. And so we run after jobs and we run after making connections and we run on filling up our bank accounts. And we think that those things are going to make us happy. But friend, I'm here to tell you, they won't. There's just some things that you can't order on Amazon Prime. You can't go buy you some peace at Target. 
Are you with me? Wally World don't sell joy. Okay? Let's keep reading. Verse 30. We're going to read through the rest of the story. It says, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. I encourage you to go home and to read this, man, because this is loaded. It's an Easter service, so I'm not taking two hours to preach, only about 20 to 30, all right? So you need to go read this because there's so much here. See, my prayer this morning is that some of you would see Jesus for who he really is, the risen Savior who came to redeem us, who came to pay our debt, the debt that we owe, the debt of sin, and that you would turn to him as your Lord, your God, and your King. The Bible goes on to say, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I got to tell you what happened to me just this week. This week in one of my morning devotionals, um, I was praying. I think I might have been reading a, a psalm at first, but then I, I, I turned to Luke 24, pretty cool considering I'm about to preach on it. And um, as I read it, I just have to tell you, I found myself just crying uncontrollably. And I was by myself. No one was there. But as I was reading his word, tears was just flowing down my face as I thought about how Jesus paid the price for my sin. And as I read where, where Cleopas and his companion said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? And I felt my heart burning as I was reading his word. And his presence was right there with me. I know that that may be new to some of you and that may not make sense. I, I get that. I remember the first time someone tried to explain to me um, what a roller coaster would be like. And I heard the story so many times. I thought I knew until I experienced it. How many of you know that that's true in a lot of things? Kind of like marriage. Oh, marriage is going to be great. Yeah, mm-hmm. Love is blind. Marriage is the eye-opener, right? <laughs> but watch this. I love that we celebrate the birth of Christ during Christmas. But friends, today, Resurrection Sunday is what we celebrate above all. Because it's the resurrection that gives us hope. It's the resurrection that gives us the promise of eternal life. The birth of Christ marked the beginning of his mission, but it was his death and resurrection that fulfilled his purpose and opened the door for salvation for all who would believe in him. And I want you to know that you can experience his resurrection power in your life. His death, burial, and resurrection are what pave 
the way for us to be able to face life's many difficult challenges. His death, his burial, and his resurrection are the doorway in which we receive the forgiveness of sin and experience reconciliation with God. Friends, I'm not just talking about allowing Jesus to be this nice little add-on to your life. Like, Jesus is not an accessory. He is a necessity. That's why Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way. Friend, there is no other way to God but through Jesus. Mohammed will not get you there. I know that may be politically, uh, not politically correct, but I'm here to tell you, Hare Krishna isn't going to get you there. Buddha isn't going to get you there. Your good works isn't going to get you there. Jesus is the way. And don't just take it because this pastor said it. Take it, and you better believe it, because Jesus said it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, let me just explain what that means. Jesus is inclusive in that all are welcome to faith in him. Like, he doesn't care if you're Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, ignorant. Like, he welcomes all, okay? But he is exclusive in that he and only he is the way. Here's what I would like for us to do this morning. I want to ask if you could quietly just stand right there at your seats. And what we're going to do here in a few moments is we're going to take communion together. But before we do, I just want to speak to the person who is here today or that's watching online and you have yet to make Jesus the Lord of your life. What I mean by that is God isn't first. Like maybe you've put him somewhere on the list, but he isn't at the top. But friend, I've just got to let you know that Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. God said that we are to put no other gods before him. Yet many have made money or their possessions their God. Some have made other people more important than God. While others have held to worldly ideologies, politics, or self-sufficiency, as their God. But I'm here to tell you that anything that you put more faith in than Jesus will sorely disappoint you. It will disappoint you here on earth, and it will certainly disappoint you whenever you breathe your last breath and you find yourself standing before God. See, but church, the Bible teaches that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It also says that we are to give account for every good and every bad thing. Every good thing, that means a good that we didn't do, that we were supposed to do, but also every bad thing that we've done. Now that, in and of itself, is bad news. 
But I've got good news to share with you this morning because the person that we're talking about, the person that we're singing about, the person that we have gathered together today to, to, to sing and praise and worship went to the cross in order to pay for every single bad deed that we have ever done. You see, God's word teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that we are all guilty and not deserving of heaven. But Jesus gives us what we don't deserve by inviting us to put our faith in him. And here's what I want to do right now. That is to give you an invitation to receive Christ. To receive his free gift of eternal life by putting your faith in him. And if you will put your faith in him and what he did for you on the cross, you will have the promise of eternal life. Power for this life and citizenship in heaven on the other. And so here's what I'd like to do right now. I want to ask if every single person would bow your heads, close your eyes. And what I would like to ask is who would say yes to receiving God's free gift right now? You say, I want to be reconciled with God. I want God to be first in my life. I want to know that I can have that resurrection power for the things that I face here on earth. But I also want to know that I have the promise of citizenship in eternity. That whenever I breathe my last breath and I find myself standing before God, I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Friend, if that's you, and I cannot tell you this, if you've never called upon Jesus as Lord, even if you're here this morning and you say, I don't even know that I believe all this stuff. Hey, listen, the grass is purple. If you think it's purple, it's not. It's green. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, our belief has no bearing on reality. God is creator. He sent his son in order to give us access to him, in order that we could have forgiveness of sin. And this morning, I want you to know that he loves you so much that he sent his son to pay that terrible price that I explained to you earlier whenever I described the crucifixion of Jesus. And if you had been the only person that had lived on this earth, he would have still done it just for you. Now think about that because it's absolutely true. And God is willing that none would perish. He's willing that all would be saved. All would be whole. All would be complete. All would be able to be citizens of heaven. And he paid the price. All we have to do is freely receive it. So I want to ask who's here this morning. And you know that you are not in right standing with God. Listen, we're not asking you to join a church this morning. We're asking you to join the church, the body of Christ. We're asking you to become a follower of Jesus. And you say, that's me. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I don't want to keep living my life the way that it has. I want to live it with God first. If that's you, would you put your hand up? No one's looking right now. Just put your hand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who else? Because we want to pray with you. 
You can pray. We're going to lead you right there in your seat. Don't worry. We're not going to bring you up here in front of everyone. But right now, this is a moment between you and God, and the Spirit of God is moving on your heart. And you say, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. He's not been the Lord. I just feel like there's a few more that right now you're in the valley of decision. Yeah, okay, I see you. Yeah, who else? Now, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Friend, we don't have the promise that we'll have this other opportunity again. But right now, we have the promise of being reconciled with God. Right now, we have the promise of forgiveness of sin. Who else? And then we're going to pray. Is there anyone else that want to join in with those? Many's already raised their hand, but you're still there kind of, I'm not sure. Friend, let me tell you, take that step. What else are you going to try? How's it been working for you so far? Hello? Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the lie. Anyone else? And then we're going to pray. Yeah. Okay, who else? Those of you watching online, even if you're right there in your couch and no one's around, put your hand up and God sees it. And I want to invite all of you to pray this prayer of surrender with me. And I'm going to ask all the saints of God, many of whom, the majority of whom in this room have already prayed this prayer. We're going to all confess Jesus as Lord right now. Because the Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. And so I just want to just ask you, especially those of you that have raised your hand this morning that says, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Saints of God, join in with me. Pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus. Be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. Now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we just thank God for our salvation?